Wumanjika. My name is Larry Walsh, and I'm an elder of the Tunnarong people and the Kulin Nations. And we acknowledge we are on the traditional lands of the Wurundjeri, Wurrung people, and the Bumurung people. And we pay our respects to their ancestors, and we also pay our respects to their elders, past, present, and emerging. And through them, we also pay our respects to all Aboriginal and Islander communities that live in the Western suburbs. Welcome to FCAC Radio, a podcast series produced by Footscray Community Arts Centre, platforming artists, creatives and stories in Melbourne's West and beyond. Today I'm joined by Akwesi, a Ghanaian comedian living in Melbourne. His work dissects his African-Australian identity with the aid of humour. But after speaking with him, I'm certain there's nothing he takes more seriously. Hi everyone, it's Jess Enkema here on FCAC Radio. I'm joined by Akwesi Osututu, uh, better known as Akwesi the Comedian on Instagram. I think Akwesi Comedian. Okay, cool. What's your actual handle so people can check you out while we're talking? Instagram is Akwesi Comedian. My website is also Akwesi Comedian. Mm. And Facebook is Akwesi Osututu Comedian. Awesome. Um, tell us a bit about yourself. I know you grew up in Perth. You said you were born in the UK. That's yep. pretty interesting. Yep. And now you're here in Melbourne. What's yeah. the story? So I was born in the UK. My mm. dad was studying there. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we then moved to Ghana for some years, moved to Sydney. And then we moved back to Ghana and then back to Perth in 1996. And I was, yeah, I've been living in I was living in Perth for a long time, moved to Toronto in 2010 to 2012. Yeah. And uh, as soon as I got back from... So Toronto was just a working holiday visa. Yeah. A lot of fun. Had a lot of fun there. Um, came back to Perth and I was like, oh, um, what city kind of mimics Toronto? And Melbourne is the closest for me. It's funny that you say that because um, I also lived in Toronto. And I did hear that comparison quite a bit. But I felt like it was a larger scale... Melbourne, like I feel mm. like it's more kind of independent businesses and and whatnot here. It's huge over there. You made your way from uh, Toronto back to Perth. Yes, correct. And then here to Melbourne. Yes, I was in Perth for maybe three, four months, mm. and um, I couldn't do it anymore. I already knew it. I knew it. You know, on the plane ride back, I was like, I mean, I love Perth, but I just, I think I've outgrown it. I, I'm, there's nothing really there apart from family. I don't. I just didn't feel that I needed to be there. Yeah, okay, I feel you. So, you're a comedian. Mm-hmm. We got that earlier on. <laughs> you were practicing in Perth or? No. No? No, only in Melbourne. So, when, I, when wow. I arrived in Melbourne, I was just, you know, kind of figuring things out, just working as a um, HR officer, HR advisor. Um, and it came to a point where I'm at a point where I'm trying to work on myself. And this, being a comedian, is the hardest thing I can think of. Hmm. Um, and I'm not... I've never been great with talking um, on stage or giving any kind of speeches. Very good with, you know, talking to groups of people, but that, no, because I played football as a semi-professional, so, you know, you got to be with the boys. And, um, the boys. And the boys. <laughs> and uh, I've, been, I've done that for about 15 years, playing football, so I can do that. But when it comes to standing in front of people and delivering a message or uh, a talk, brutal. 
The guy likes the challenge. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> so how long have you been in Melbourne? So I've been in Melbourne for, I believe, eight years now, just over eight. Oh, dude, I thought you were like brand new. Oh, no. I had this idea that you were the newbie in town. Oh. Eight years. You've got two years and you'll be considered a Melbourneian. <laughs> that's that's the Is that quota. how it works? Yeah, 10 years deep. Okay. Okay, so that makes sense. I saw uh, a photograph of you that I think you've attributed to uh, a Tong Atem, mm -hmm. which is incredible. Um, I've seen you move in circles that include, you know, a, a couple of people from Footscray Community Arts Centre yeah. and um, Saba, who's on the board. And I'm just like, Bigwa, that's right. Just name dropping over here. Yeah, Let, right. Let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> let's go in. So how did you form those connections? You know, being a, a Perth boy who was born in the UK, spent a couple of years in Toronto and then came here and, and killed it immediately. So all those, um, I guess, connections that I've made, most of them were made in the last two two and a half years okay um and that was just as i was about to start comedy and it was it was coincidental i didn't kind of plan that um and i <laughs> just seeking people yeah out. and i i met all these people through uh sab alamayo so so you helpful. had your first big show at uh afro, afro hub. hub correct at Saba's spot correct and that that really gave me um uh, a lot of confidence i remember speaking uh, to you off air and i said uh, that was probably the best night of my life wow Only describe it to the audience uh, tell us why you know i think it's because comedy is something that is just i'm not an artist i've never seen myself as an artistic person so me trying to um uh, be a comedian is just just makes no sense to my family or to people in perth they're like what really comedian yeah and to me like i said it's the hardest thing that um, I can conceive of, and um, it's something that's going to stretch me, something that's going to um, make me grow, and it has already. All it right. has already. So, yeah, All from right. the get-go, I knew that's what it would do. So, um, am I right in saying that you've pursued this career in comedy because it's a challenge, not so much because you're actually funny? <laughs> well, yeah, you'd have to. You've, have you heard any of my? I have. Okay. I saw you, you, you can tell me. Like that's not up to me. I'm not the one who decides whether I'm funny or okay, not. Okay, okay. <laughs> let's 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 take it to the snippet that you uh, provided to me earlier. This was a bit that you spoke about the aunties trying to hook you up. Yes. With a lady. Yes. Um, it took me right back home to Ghana, and I appreciated it. I personally thought it was hilarious. This is a Kwesi and his African auntie. As a matter of fact, my brother's going to the party tomorrow. He's taking, he's taking his wife and his two little kids because it's a family affair. I'll be there as well, right? So I'll see you there. I get to the party and I'm just catching up with friends that I've not seen in a very long time because I was only in Perth for about a week. So I'm just, it's fantastic getting to see them. And I'm having a chat, we're having a great time. And from behind, all I hear is, I turn around to my auntie. She grabs me by the hand. She's like, hey, hey, come here, come here, come here. You see, you, you see that young lady over there? Yes, yes. She's recently single, eh? She's recent, she's fine. But then she starts to ruin it. Ruin it, she just ruins it. She's like, oh, she was dating that, uh, that stupid boy. That idiot. I don't even know why she was uh, dating him for so long. If he, he's, he was an idiot, so, I, that means she must be an idiot. Actually, let's go, let's go. Ignore, ignore her, right? So she comes to that conclusion. I leave, I'm back with my friends, having a great time. We're dancing, we're changing dance moves, and we're just having a laugh. It's so good to see him. 
and I hear Akwesi. She grabs my hand. She says, hey, come, 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 come. You, you see that? Uh, you see that young lady over there? Yes, she's very quiet. You see how she's sitting by herself? She's lovely. She doesn't do that smoking. She doesn't go to clubbing too much. She's very intelligent. She's very, very nice. She's very humble. You should. Uh, do you want me to? I said, no, I'm good. Like. I'm fine. She's like, oh, are you sure? Are you sure? I said, no, no, no. And in Ghana, there's a song called Date Your Father. <laughs> Has no one heard that song in here? Like, of course we have. Half heaven, half heaven. So this song is by a lady called Ebony. Right? She's, she says, I'll give you my heart. I'll give you my body. I'll do anything for you. I will sacrifice my life to be your wife and be there for you. But if you break my heart, I will date your father. Whoa. You're gonna be my son. You're gonna call me your mother. Yo. When I first heard that song, I was like, what? I was just trying to put myself, I was like, really dad? Dad, you're gonna break, you're gonna cut my grass like that, really? Like, what kind of a song is it? Anyway, the song comes on. The young girl sitting, the young lady sitting there, my auntie's talking about her, the song comes on. I will give you my heart, give you body, do anything for you. Sacrifice my life to be your wife and be there for you. But if you break my heart, I go date your father. You're gonna be my son, you're gonna call me your mother. Now, check the song out later on, folks. Now, as soon as the chorus comes on, this supposedly timid young lady just jumps up. She's like, I go date your father. My auntie goes flying over there. She's like, hey, 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 young lady, what, what do you mean you date somebody's father? What is wrong with you all? I'm very disappointed in you. I thought you were a very uh, lovely young lady. What is this? You would date somebody's father. Ah! Oh, shame on you, shame. I go date your father. You go call me mother. That's it. That's it. <laughs> wow. Okay. So you're a Ghanaian comedian mm -hmm. who obviously has these figures in, in your life like African auntie who are mm -hmm. trying to steer you in the yep. right direction according to them. Correct. How do your parents, how does your Ghanaian family feel about your career choice? I don't even need to answer this question to yes, you, you but, but to everyone listening, you know, like, you know, my mum wanted me to be a doctor. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't, I'm, no way. You got that PhD? Oh my God, no. <laughs> like, I've got a degree in what, human resources and sports management. Okay. Um, yeah, when I, told my dad a couple of years ago that I was thinking of being a stand-up comedian. He surprisingly, surprisingly just went, oh, great. He said, oh, okay, no problem. Um, I, I, I have a few jokes for you, eh? So I'll write you. And I, I was like, uh -huh. <laughs> He thinks he's, he's actually funny. Go ahead then, drop a dad joke. No, no. <laughs> but he, he was like, oh, I'll, I'll write some jokes for you. And I, I'll tell you um, a few jokes. But, uh, and I was like, dad, um, I'm just telling you that I'm doing it. But yeah, it, it, I was just really happy that he wasn't, uh, he wasn't just beat me down over right, it. So it was yeah, great. Yeah. My mum was there. Cool. Yeah, cool. So that was great. Okay. So have your parents seen you perform? Yeah. They have? Only, yeah, recently in Perth. So my first uh, 
so my, my fourth show was in Perth yeah. just very recently and you know it was such a different feeling being in front of people that you know right no they know me and they're like oh this guy is says he's a comedian now and we're all going to watch it and people came to i had 180 people come to the um to the state library theater and that's the that's for someone who's just been in comedy for i don't know a couple of years uh, i'll take that that was that was again that was a step up and it was great and i tell you what being from my parents i told jokes about my dad and he's in the audience. I didn't know how he's going to. He loved it. He said he loved it. And, you know, I'm telling the truth about him. There's a joke about him racing one of my schoolmates. Yeah. On my very first day at school because I went to a Why? soccer. <laughs> I should have sent you that clip. But it's a soccer specialist school. And when you go there, they have to. The only way that they can find out if you're good enough to be part of the soccer scholarship is for you to play a game with the existing students. Mm. So I'm playing a game. You know, I'm very nervous. I don't know how good these kids are. My dad's standing on the sideline. The PE teacher's also standing on the sideline. Now, we're sharing the oval with a PE class. They're doing their own thing. Mm. And there's a guy by the name of Glenn. He leaves his PE class, comes to where my dad is standing, watching myself play with his arms folded. He walks up to my dad and he says, oh, is that... Is, is that? He goes, oh, is, is that your son? My dad's like, yeah, yes, yes, that is my son. He's like, oh, um, he's very fast. My dad's like, yes, he's very fast. Oh, um, I, I bet I'm faster than him. And my dad's like, no, no, you are not faster than my son. <laughs> and the kid looks at my dad like, I bet I'm faster than you. And, you know, my, any other it adult popped up. any other adult would have said, all right, kid, take a hike. Get out. My, you, my dad, you're going to challenge my dad? My dad's like, oh, you this small boy. Do not respect your elders at all. Today <laughs> I'll show you. I'll teach you sense. Let's go. So they walked about 20 meters away. There was a track there. My dad gets there, he takes off his shoes. <laughs> the whole PE class is just looking. So on your marks, get set, bang, go. Now, they're running. Now, the whole PE class, including the teacher, the PE teacher, is standing there going, yeah, go, Glenn. They want Glenn to win against my dad. They're jumping up and down. So with all this, with all this noise, my, um, my football game stops, my trial stops, because we're like, what is going on? I turn around, and my dad is racing a child. <laughs> And he's dominating the race. That is brilliant. So oh, it, it sounds like your dad is very supportive. Oh, he's, he's he's had your back. Oh, he, he, yeah. He's, he's he's a funny dude. He's a very he's very he's got grit, and that's what I'm trying to build. My my mom's even funnier. Yeah. My mom's super funny, but my dad's got grit. My dad does. He's not. He wasn't trying to be funny. Mm. He was trying to teach the kid a lesson. Who <laughs> won? My dad. He dominated the race. <laughs> Yeah, blessed him, and I, I, I hope that you made it into this school, the selective sports I school. I did. What's the school? Um, Can it's we called, drop that? Knowledge? Yeah, yeah, John Curtin College of the Arts. Oh, so okay, so you're a, you're an arts no, student from no, way back. No, see the school. Okay. No, the, the school. The school was an art school, and also they had a soccer um, uh, scholarship. Okay, so, school for talented children of Perth. Yes, yeah. that's where Aquesi went. Yeah. What do you do on the side? So. Human Resources HR. Mm -hmm. um, I work for Yara Trans mm -hmm. up until last week, so mm. I am now unemployed. Damn, it's real. Rona's got me. Wow. Um, but it is what it is. I'm trying to move with the flow. I'm, have you heard of the Serenity Prayer? I have. I yes. About this. Yeah. Yes, it's so, on my wall in my dad's place. Perfect. Yeah. Lord, give me the serenity to understand the things that I cannot change, mm -hmm. the courage to change the things that I can, and the knowledge or the wisdom to understand the difference. 
and this is something I can't change. Mm. So I'm trying my hardest. And look, I'm not saying I've got it, but I'm, I'm trying my hardest to understand that I cannot change it. Yeah. And you've got the support of the people around you. Yeah. Um, a lot of people have been affected by this pandemic, um, not to downplay at all what you're going through because it is crazy. Um, but we really hope that, you know, this could be the start of something new for mm. you in the arts. And when things reopen, maybe it's time to take a sidestep into hun- full-time hun- comedy. A hundred percent. Like, you know, you got to go with the flow. That's <laughs> that's life, right? Yeah. Um, I think there's a saying that life is a journey. I don't think so. Mm. I think it's a dance. <laughs> because a journey insinuates that you're going to go from A to B. Mm-hmm. A dance, you don't know where you're going to land on a dance floor. Mm. That's life. Like, you know, we've all had plans and life's just tapped us on our shoulder and like, oh, you got plans, huh? That's cute. That's hold, my, hold my beer. And, you, and <laughs> life is going to force you to the left. You, yeah. you want it to go straight, but life will force you to the left. Yeah. And then it, here's the thing. You can either um, kick and scream, going left, or you can go, all right, life, let's go left. Because either way, you're going left. How does uh, pre-corona comedy equesi compared to current corona situation? Like, what does your day-to-day look like as a comedian given this pandemic? Yeah, I try to write almost every day, but it's hard. It's, it's almost impossible. As a comedian, I'm an observational comedian, mm. right? I need to be out. Yeah. What am I going to observe in my, wow. <laughs> my house? Wow, yeah. So I need to be out. Mm. The first two and a half weeks, I was, excuse me, I was writing every day. Mm. And um, I remember, yeah, I was able to write it. After that, I wasn't able to generate new ideas and I understood why. I was like, oh, okay, I need to be out. Um, so I'm going through my old jokes. I'm going through my Afrohub, the very first show. Yeah. And I'm, I'm working on those jokes and I've improved them. And now I'm going through the jokes that I was going to um, deliver at the Melbourne Comedy Festival. Right. And I today, this morning, I was working on it. It's the first one I was working on it. And, and I've already been able to improve it, so I'm very happy. I'm I'm feeling your face light up right now as you're as you're describing yeah. you're rewriting and perfecting these yeah. jokes. But I've always wondered as a spectator yeah. what it feels like to like drop the same lines like do you, does it need to be funny to you or 100%. does it just need to yeah 100% but <laughs> like what happens you, when you've said it 5 times See I, I think com- being a comedian is one of the hardest art forms and not saying it because I'm a comedian but as a musician or, look, any other art form, you're able to um, perfect it, right? You write it, you perfect it, you record it, right? Mm. In comedy, you have to stand in front of people and deliver that joke in front of a live audience. So you better have a thick skin because mm. majority of the time you're going to bomb, which is what we call, like, it's a... It's majority? A, majority. You, Damn. Oh, yeah. You, well, <laughs> that's life. Like, you have to bomb before you can get one good joke. Yeah. So in order to get five minutes, good luck. You're going to tell that joke over and over again and you, it's going to be thumbs down. You know, with comedy as well, the beautiful thing is you don't have to figure out whether it was good or not. The audience will tell you. Right. It's cool. Like, Is it rude of me to ask for a joke on cue? Go. Oh. 
a Joy-Con cute. I just gave you one. Hold on. I just gave you one with my dad. What? The was dad? That a, see, wow, that felt really natural. That, like that was, I felt like I was there. Yeah. I felt like we'd connected That's and you point. were telling me something was, about your But it was a It's a joke. Damn, I didn't know. See, I didn't how uh, much have, Okay, see, uh, let, uh, I'm let's, gonna give myself a pat on the back for damn. that. That was good because I never you know I'm, I was giggling. I'm really hard on myself, so I'm glad that you found that uh you, you you were involved, bro. Like, okay, I, I no, the, no, no, no. I, I now end the joke with. I end the joke with. Uh, you all, you all know now. I know. End the joke with. Oh, you know, um, <laughs> I didn't get into the football scholarship, but my dad did. You that's didn't drop I, that though. I know. I know. I, that's because you asked me. You asked me the question. You said, <laughs> I just, "Did you get it? Did I heckle you during?" You, that? you absolutely did. <laughs> and I was like, "Damn it!" She, she ruined the punchline. But it was all good. Like, wow. No, but if, it was, it was even funny. prior to that, even, yeah, it, it, there's jokes prior to the punch, the, the major punchline. So yeah, I, I want to talk about something. This is a little personal. Your material, some of the stuff that you showed us earlier, African auntie. You know, I'd imagine being from Perth and now in Melbourne that you're performing in front of a predominantly white crowd. Mm-hmm. How oh. are your Australian, white Australian audience members, um, re- how are they receiving your jokes? Sure, it's well so far. So it's been very interesting when I do a standalone show, half the audience, maybe. 70% African, 30% white, or 60-40. But let's say 60 That's pretty good. It's pretty good. It's very good. So, however, when I'm on the circuit practicing or working out, as we, as we say, mm. all white. Mm. A black person here and there. And I mean, very few and far between. So my jokes, even though I'm talking about um, some, of, some of my jokes are black-related jokes, mm. I have to test it out on the Australian... Like white people. Yeah, how does that go down? It goes down well. It goes so some of them fall flat, and then I know, okay, just because. But in my mind, just because it fell flat with this group doesn't mean that it's gonna fall flat with the next group. And that's comedy. Oh. So you might do one room, do the same joke in another room, and it works. The first room it didn't work, and you're like, well, what happened there? It's not you. It's re- it's somebody. it's them. <laughs> It's yes. not you, it's them. No, no. I but, love that. That's but, a mantra, people. It's not you, it's them. <laughs> That's not the case. Most of the time, look, if I tell a joke and it doesn't work, I tell myself, no, I, I didn't do a, a good enough job. Don't but lie. We're here to tell the truth it tonight. Is, it, it is. No, it's it is. That's them. true. That's, okay. <laughs> that's true. It's, but you say, you say, how does that work? I have to, tr- I know that if I can get a, a specifically bl- uh, a joke that relates to black people, if I can get white people to laugh, I know black people are going to laugh at it. Really, hundred percent won't laugh at it. They will laugh at it. Oh, they will. So if I if I tell a joke in front of if I'm working out, I'm I'm gigging and I uh, open mics and I try a joke specifically black. Not all my jokes are specific, but if this one particularly is, if I I find that if I tell white people and they laugh, it always works with black people. So you're saying that white people are the tougher crowd? They're not giving you like well, they, diversity laughs. No, but here's the thing. It's harder for them to understand our culture. Yeah. And our little intricacies. We, you yeah, and I might yeah, yeah, have yeah. these little in-jokes that no one else gets. So if I can right. tell a, a people who are not in that in-group and they can laugh at that joke, guarantee sure. you, you'll be like, yeah, got it. Damn, okay. That's a nice little testing mechanism. At the same time, it's tough. I feel like it, my perspective would have been that, like, black people would be the the tougher crowd because – 
you're kind of like they they're there they know the experience so you can't like dress it up or dress it down you have to hit where it's at whereas like if you're if you're from a different culture a different background and you're you're hearing this from an outsider's perspective you could really dress that up and make it sound really exaggerated and they're going to find it funny when i tell the joke in front of a a mostly black audience i i can spice it up you spice it up. I can spice it up because I'm like, I know how to connect with my people easier. Okay. Right? It's like, okay, it's easy. Okay, I lie. When, I, when I'm, <laughs> I spice it up the other way around. So if I'm, if I'm talking to a group that mm, they might not know or understand the, the ends of this joke, I might have to spice it up for them to get it. With black people, I don't have to. They'll get it. Sure. Okay, okay. Straight away. So you don't, you don't have to, like, be on the nose with your jokes right. when it's, like, speaking to the peeps. Yes. Okay. Um, how – yeah, Perth is, Perth is super white, no? Have you been to Perth? I've been there for, like, a week. <laughs> it, Perth is super white, she says. It's um, not? It, no, it is. Well, then what's your problem? Because, like, I come originally from Sydney and it was so diverse. And then moving to Melbourne town, I was kind of like, oh, this is going to take some getting used to. Thank God I landed upon Footscray and Footscray Community Arts Centre and can, like, experience diversity on a daily basis. But here living in, in Fitzroy, it's a completely different experience and I'm definitely navigating white spaces a lot more than what I'm used to in Sydney. Um, and my experience with Perth was it was just like, yeah, it was a, a whole other, you know, Australia. And um, I just wonder how that would have been for you as a, a budding comedian yeah. um, with these like, I don't know, ethnocentric. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a different person to who I was in Perth. You've changed. Big time. I mean, it's been eight years. It's been, it's been more than eight years since I left Perth. And here's the thing with, um, I tell a joke about my name change. So I legally changed my name to Akwesi. Oh. So Akwesi is already my name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My my. Most Ghanaians have two names. Yeah, yeah. As you know. Yeah, Jessica, Ifia. There you go. What's your other name? Albert. What? Albert, cool. So people in Perth know me as Albert. And wow. When I, and when I changed it, it's hard for them to kind of adjust to it. What sparked the change? So many things. Uh, so many things. I Please guess, break this down for oh, us. It's really going to be hard, but basically I... I said, like I, like, I, like I was saying to you earlier, I was trying to. I'm, I'm tr all I'm trying to do is work on myself, right? It's like you know, if you want to change the world, you don't try to um, change it outside. You change yourself. It's like being in front of a mirror. You comb your hair. When you comb your hair, you don't try to comb the mirror and try to get your hair to change. You got to comb yourself. So, for myself, I've always, you know. I look at myself as such a black man and I'm like, well, why do I have a foreign name, Albert? Like a Western name? It just makes no sense to me. Yeah. Just to me. I mean, other people have Western names, other black people, and that's fine. But for mm. me, I was like, it just did not sit well with me. For a very long time, it didn't. Mm. But I was like, oh, whatever. Um, other Ghanaians call me Akwesi and everyone else calls me Albert. And I was more comfortable with Akwesi. Wow. And uh, maybe two and a half years ago, I went through that change. I legally changed my name. I was like, you know what? We're going. Albert's got to go. Aquasi, it is. Incredible. Yeah. I'm really impressed. You know, um, 
I, I want to just speak to the audience for a moment because um, in Ghana, just some context, um, there's pretty much seven names for guys and seven names for girls. Mm -hmm. You're um, named after the day of the week that you're born and Akwesi, I believe, is Sunday. It's a holy name, that perfect. one. Yep, um, and it's a proud name. And um, I feel like we're always kind of switching between those two identities, especially being African-Australian. You're always kind of like jumping from yeah. side to side, kind of figuring out who you are. And yeah. a lot of the time I refer to myself as Ephia, like my Instagram, <laughs> you know. Yes. But um, from day to day, it's Jessica. And I, um, I, I, I really admire that you've gone out on a whim there and you've – must have been a journey though like you don't just wake up and say hey oh no it was a journey it really was um and so you talked about identifying as a quesi um was there was there more behind that was there well i i think of i often think of our past as africans and um how we got to how we how we got these western names i think of that a lot the process i tell a joke about how i changed my name i'm not going but I tell a joke about how, I, how, I, how my name changed from Albert to Akwesi. And um, I often think of France and Britain taking yeah. over most of Africa. And I think about it a lot and what our ancestors went through. Mm. And I think about me being in that position and I tell myself, well, why would I not take the names that my ancestors gave me? It makes no sense. How many, how many French people, how many British do you ever hear having an African name? Mm. Why would they take an African name? Mm. Why am I taking their name? It makes mm. no sense to me. Yeah. It really doesn't. Okay. Just to me. No, totally. Um, I'm with you. How much did it cost? Um, I can't remember. Damn. I really can't remember. Because I've got this weird thing where um, my middle name was supposed to be Louise, but my mum misspelt it and it's Lewis. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, like from memory in Sydney, you pay per letter. Oh, really? No. It's not like that? No, I don't think so. Is that just like something that I've told myself? I think so. You didn't pay per letter. for Aquesi's a longer name than Albert, so. Yeah, I believe. Bowling yeah. over here. Yeah. <laughs> Um, how do you feel now that you're a permanent um, Akwesi? So good. So much better. Like, I feel so good. Um, yeah, it's, it's just, I feel like I am moving, I'm becoming who I should have been a long time ago. Wow, that's really, really nice. Um, you've been, we talked about this a little earlier, but your press shots done by Atonga Tem. You're wearing like full kente over the shoulder. Yeah gorgeous Ghanaian outfit. Um, can you tell me about that shoot? Yeah. And can you tell me how often you get to wear the full... Kente. The full kente yeah. um, get up? So I, not often at all because I don't have... I borrowed it from another Ghanaian. Yeah. And I was supposed to go back to Ghana. I was supposed to be in Ghana right now. Yeah. And I was going to buy some kente and, you know, some clothes and, you know, ship them back and... Um, be able to wear them when I do come here for shoots or whatever it is. Mm. But unfortunately, that didn't work. So in this instance, I borrowed it off a friend by the name of Kofi Shaba. He's a, he's a drummer. Mm. So um, I borrowed his, um, his kente. So there was two different types of kente. Yeah. And I wore one and we used one as a backdrop 
Yeah. Then I switched it and we switched it around. So that was a Tong's idea. Yeah, cool. Um, she's very creative in that manner. She, she thought about that. So yeah. we did that. And um, so I, I, she took quite a lot of photos. Yeah. And uh, it turned out well. Yeah. yeah I was very happy with that. That's really cool. Um, I, I want to ask because there are a few um, fashion labels in Melbourne, um, a few that I can think of in particular that are run by Australians that are supporting Ghanaians back home and shipping over um, the material and selling it to like a Australian audience. Would you be interested in wearing those type of garments or are you trying to buy black or just get it from Ghana or like what's your opinion on like I guess Australianized African fashion? As long as, you know, that's a good question. I truly believe in group economics. Mm. Um, done a bit of research on it and it's very interesting and it, it kind of explains why we are in the predicament that we are in. You know, Jewish people, when they, their money circulates within their community about, I believe, 12 times before, on average. Yep. Asians, around about 8 to 10. Yeah. White, white people around the 8 mark. Black people, zero. Six hours. Is it six? There you go. For um, African-American. I actually watched a documentary um, quite recently that that had this, and I've never, it's so funny that you bring it up because I've never even thought about this, but keeping money in the black economy is super difficult, even in places where there are, um, you know, like a bigger black population. We're in Australia. You got to be conscious about that. Yeah. That, that's, that's what it is. What are you doing to support black businesses in Australia and how do you even go about it? The, the photographer was a Tom. Killer. Um, I've got a, a logo that was also made by an African woman, Eva mm. Labua. Mm. Now, she's a, an, she's a radio host. She's, a very, um, she's an artistic lady. So she drew it and um, she provided me with the image. So I'm, anything that I can do to help black people, like photographers, um, my brother, my, look, my brother-in-law is is an Australian, and he's he, like he's been with me ever from the, from the get-go, and I, I use him. Apart from that, I use I try to use as many black people as possible. I try to go out to look for. If I can't, then I'll, the next best thing. Mm. But you have to you have to look for our own people first, or mm. else we we are just consumers. Yeah, we just buy from everybody else. Yeah, and. I'm going to be talking about it on stage, um, hopefully in the future as well. It's really interesting because, you know, if if we're in Africa, even if we're in America where, or, or the UK where there's a, a big African diaspora, you can kind of speak to the need to make connections, but we are such a minority in Australia. Like, how do you see that kind of playing out? Like, what what does it look like for a place that has... I I don't know. I need to look this up, honestly. But I feel like there's less than one percent of the Australian population is African, and if we're talking Ghanaians, there's like, mm, yeah, like I've, you're one of the first that I've met in in Melbourne, okay. which is why I've engaged with you in the first place. There's always this hunger to connect with people from yeah. this community, and it's I, I find it really really rare. So how do you build on that in like a in Australian con? Context. Yeah, I guess for myself, when it comes to consuming, I'm not trying to uh, just find Ghanaians. Ghanaians are great. Um, however, if I can find another African that is delivering the, the, the product that I'm looking for, then I'm going to seek them out. And mm. it's through people, getting to know people. Oh, do you know um, a, an African that makes hats, for example? Drop five black businesses in Melbourne. Ooh, 
don't do this to me. That's no, okay, okay, okay. My bad, my bad. All right, who are some of the people that you're? So you've you've named um, a Tong, a Tem, Eva, um, Eva, Saba. My, Saba. my sister makes uh, donuts. Cool. Um, yeah, no, like right? the round, yeah, the Ghanaian ones. Um, no, not both fruit. No, no. Um, or like actual, like whole and actual whole donuts, but she spices it like she spice. It's called fat nuts. Okay. It's on Instagram and it's on Facebook. I'm over here, I'm <laughs> hungry. So, it's so good. <laughs> um, no. So, do you know anyone that makes jollof? Jollof. I, I know friends that make jollof, yes. For business purposes. I know one lady, I believe, yes, one lady, Gra- um, Grace, her name is. Mm. Um, she was at Sounds of Africa. Okay. So, um, which is an event that I recently emceed for. Cool. Which is great. It was a lot of fun. Cool. And she was, uh, she had a, a stole there and she made jollof as well. Okay. I um I brought some like sachets back, but it's kind of like instant noodle sachet type jollof. It tastes good. Really? Come on. It tastes good. It tastes legit, <laughs> but you. it's been a while <laughs> since I've had like my, my stepmom's cooking. Oh, so good. It's been a minute. So. Well, I've, I've really had a ball chatting with you tonight. Um, we've had a listen to some of your stuff. We're really hoping to see you on the circuit once this, this nightmare is over. Um, but it's really encouraging to hear that, you know, you're still writing, you're improving on your stuff. Um, we know that you're going to come out stronger mm-hmm. um, at the end of this. And we really want people to engage with you. So go ahead and drop your socials one more time for so, me. Aquisi. Comedian, A K W A S I, comedian, all one word. That's Instagram, and also my website is Aquisi Comedian. Amazing! And can we expect to see you at um, Footscray Community Arts Centre in the future? Absolutely. Why not? Yeah. Yeah. Come through. Absolutely. I, I, I'll need to do a show um, in Footscray sometimes. Yeah, I think I think it would be really well received. Uh, it was a pleasure chatting with you tonight. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for having me. Appreciate it. Again, that's Aquesi, the comedian, or Aquesi Comedian. Check him out on the socials and check out the link in description for more on him. Thanks for listening in to FCAC Radio, produced by Footscray Community Arts Centre and proudly supported by Maribyrnong City Council and City of Melbourne's COVID-19 Arts Grants. FCAC is a not-for-profit, independently-run community arts organisation that supports over 550 artists annually. You can support FCAC by donating to the centre, hiring our venue, coming to our events, or sharing our content online. Follow at Footscray Arts on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter, or visit footscrayarts.com to find out more. We appreciate your support and generosity.